Blog Talk Radio. Yo, this is Deontay the Bronze Bone Wilder, WBC. Yo, this is Deontay the Bronze Bone Wilder, WBC, heavyweight champion of the world, and I'm rocking with Bad Culture Radio, baby. Another installment of Bad Culture Radio. I'm your host, Giandra LaBeouf, creator of BadCulture.net. I have been looking forward to this show since probably since the weekend, and it's taken far too long to do this show on a Tuesday night. I am on the line with none other than the boxing extraordinaire, Brunch and Soiree Planning. Word on the curb, having, bi-coastal living, <laughs> Michelle Raging Babe Rosado. I wish hey, I had a babe. round of applause sound of effect because I don't have that sound effect in, a, in the console. I feel like I should have something in the console that goes, Raging Babe Radio. Like, you know, corny and yeah. old school. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get one of those. But yeah, it is my. Been, it's been so long. It's been so long. I'm just. I'm happy you asked me to join you tonight. I know we're going to have a ton of fun. It always seems like when me and you do radio together, the callers are always on fire. So hopefully we'll get a lot of those tonight. I know. I'm, let me, uh, for those of you listening in, let me apologize in advance. This is the third consecutive week that I've had some type of static issue on the line. At first I thought it was my house, so I went somewhere else and did the show. Static on the line. Back in my house tonight, static on the line. Called in from a landline, static on the line. Did direct connect from the Internet, static on the line. So over the next, maybe our New Year's resolution at BadCulture.net is to find another platform for doing the ruckus every week because this is for the birds. Blog talk, with all due respect, is for the birds. I've had more technical issues in, 2000, in 2015 with blog talk, so it might be time to grow up to a new platform for the show each week. If you're listening to the show, of course, the dial-in number is 718-508-9852. For your, call, your questions, your concerns, your comments, keep it cute, keep it classy. Also joining us later on in the show is managing editor of Boxing Scene, Jake Donovan, also a guy in the know. I think he knows a little bit about boxing. He's been around for a while. So we look forward to him joining us uh, later on in the show. Also tonight, we will be giving away two tickets to this Saturday's PBC card in San Antonio at the AT&T Center, headlined by Omar Figueroa versus Antonio DeMarco. So we have tickets for that, and the lucky winner of the tickets will receive a signed glove. I haven't confirmed from the promoter, Leha Bata, if it's signed by all of them or if it's just signed by Omar, but I'll get all those odds and ends worked out. And uh, the winner of said merchandise will receive those items. So 
thank you to the good folks at Lay Habitat. They're down there doing their thing in Texas. And, you know, support boxing, period. Support the fighters. Whether you don't like the politics or not, support the fighters because these young people put their lives on the line every time they step out there. Once again, the dial-in number is 718-508-9852. Follow Raging Babe on Twitter. You probably already do if you listen to this show. And if you don't, follow her now. You probably already follow me and follow uh, Jake Donovan, Jake, the letter in the box, D-A-B-O-X, on Twitter. So, hell, let's jump right into it. I know you always have the good information, Michelle. Should we start with the new business or should we start with the old business from last week? And good God, what happened to Peter Quillen Saturday night? You know what? I was. Uh, I think that's a good place to start. Good God. Oh, one moment. What happened to Peter Quillen Saturday night? You know what? I was. Uh, Jay. Hello. Yes, I'm here. I thought I lost you. Started playing on my computer. But anyway, that's a good place to start. Let's go back to Quillen Jacobs, which I did officially pick Peter Quillen to win, and I'm actually. Glad that Danny Jacobs won. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, of either fighter, but I think it was good for Danny and I think it was good for the sport. And, wow, one round, I think, what did it last, like 85 seconds or something yeah. like that? Yeah. So they banked $1.5 million each in, like, 85 <laughs> seconds, which that's not too shabby at all. Um, but I was shocked to see it go down like that. I really was. I mean, Danny came out guns blazing and caught – Peter with a couple of right hands that he didn't like. The ref jumped in, stopped it, and Peter didn't fight it. He didn't argue it. He didn't complain about it. Um, he went along with it, and to me, that spoke volumes. I, ay, ay, ay. You know, every week on the Ruckus, we do this thing, Ryan and I, and, you know, whoever else is on with us, we call it Prediction Wars, and we all, you know, cite our predictions. I'm usually right. Well, I'll, I'll say that just because there's nobody else on here to dispute me. I'll say that I'm usually right when we do prediction wars, and I, I predicted Peter Quillen for the win, and but not a quick win, not a knockout or a stoppage like uh, the other gents did. I thought it would go the distance and it would go to decision, and, you know, it's P, you know, PBC-ish, Showtime-ish, whatever you want to call it. And I expected, you know, some kind of fuckery in the, in the end, but no. Danny Jacobs came out like the Tasmanian devil, and he was just <laughs> too much for Petey, just way mm. too much for Petey Quillen. And, my God, if Ryan was on the line with us, he would say, this victory means nothing because this is the weakest middleweight division since middleweights <laughs> came over in America on covered wagons. So he would say this victory means nothing. Now that Danny Jacobs just devastated Peter Quillen like that. And Peter Quillen was viewed by many to be a, a credible threat to Gennady Golovkin. You know, what does this do to the middleweight division? Well, I don't think much is going to change. Um, you know, with Danny Jacobs, I think, it. you know, he didn't leave it in the hands of the judges, so that was a great thing. I still mm-hmm. don't consider him to be like a boogeyman, you know, just because he did what he did to Peter in mm-hmm. one round, I don't feel like now he's the new boogeyman in the middleweight division. And talking about Peter, I do have some things behind the scenes and a little bit Ooh. of word on the curb. Um, you know, I, I was told from some people that were in the back that 
you know, after the fight, the fighters go back, and a lot of people that were talking to Quillen um, said, you know, it was kind of strange and a little bizarre because he was really, really okay with the stoppage. Um, and not that he necessarily agreed with it, because there's a difference there. Being okay with it and agreeing with it are different. But he kind of went into Mr. Philanthropy, Peter Quillen, backstage and said, oh, it was God's will, you know, God wanted this to happen. Um, it is what it is. Congratulations to Danny. You know, he's a survivor. He, like, he went into this whole humanitarian type of fighter. Um, so he wasn't saying um, that he agreed or disagreed with it. He was just pretty much saying, well, it was God's will. You know, Danny Jacobs said, yeah, the rest probably should have let it go on a little bit longer, but, you know, hey, it is what it is. But Peter was in the back not sounding too much like a fighter anymore, just like, oh, you know, that, that's that's how it went down. So Ooh. I feel like – huh? No, go 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 right ahead. I think that Quillen and some other people in the industry will agree with me. He's become domesticated. And what I mean by that is, you know, when a fighter becomes domesticated, their fight game changes. You know, he got married. Um, he had a child. He got into modeling. He wants to be an actor. He took his camp to Miami. He was being featured here, featured there, traveling there. He started doing too many extracurricular activities that was taken away from his boxing inside of the ring. So outside of the ring, I think Petey's just not a fighter anymore. You know, he wants to look good. He wants to wear European clothes. He's taking speech classes. He, You know, he's getting his teeth fixed. So all these other things kind of mean a lot to him right now. And if you're not that hungry, savage fighter from the gutter, you're going to get knocked out in the ring. Yeah, yeah. And so I think the ref stopped it, and I think he was all right with it. I think any other fighter, if we remember back when, Julian Williams fought Hugo Centeno, and they stopped the fight over a cut. And Hugo Centeno put his hands up in the air because he was so happy. He thought he, like, won the fight or got away with something. Breadman and Julian almost killed that dude. They called him every type of pussies, bitches, fuck you. I mean, they were ready to kill over that stoppage. That's how you know the difference between a fighter and a complacent fighter. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you got to look at things like that when, when the fight is stopped. And he was just all right with it. He didn't quit, but he didn't care to go on. You know, it makes me wonder. You know, when we look back about, I think it was maybe about the beginning of the year, when Rock Nation Sports was starting to form like Voltron, and they were trying to lure fighters away. And, you know, they offered him and Thurman and a bunch of those guys, those Heyman guys, all that money. I don't know. That Rock Nation money is probably looking pretty damn good right now, especially if you're going to throw in the towel anyway. I mean, if I'm going to throw in the towel, 1.5 is some nice money, but if I remember correctly, that Rock Nation sports money was even better than that. Well, you know, how about this? I feel like Quillen a year ago probably could have beat Korobov. Remember when mm-hmm. he was offered $1.4 million to fight Korobov? And he That's said, right. no, 1.4, that ain't no real money. We got big plans for 2015. Well, Heyman's big plans for Petey got him a draw with Andy Lee and got him beat by Danny Jacobs. So, you know, 
while Haman's a great businessman, I don't know if I'd be letting him matchmake for me or necessarily pick and guide my fight, you know, because he could have beat for a bottle last year, and who knows what position he would have been in right now. But instead, in 2015, he took a draw and an L. A draw and an L and was okay with it. No tears. Yep. I, I don't know. If you and if I'm fighting in front, oh, if we having a fight in Inglewood, and I'm fighting in front of all my friends and family, and I take an L, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna have some type of some a moment, like damn, I let everybody down. I mean, that's just the competitive nature of of any sport. Hell, I was an ice skater. That's the competitive nature. He was just like, oh, well, you know, I lost. It's all good. You know, if I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose to Danny. It's all good. Hey, you want to have drinks after? Okay, great. You know, let's get our kids together. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Especially with all that talking in the weeks leading up to the fight, we ain't friends. We ain't friends. But after the fight, we love each other. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. I mean, you. Like I said, he's domesticated, and you you see some other fighters go through this, that they get to a certain point in their career where they're making so much money, they're complacent, they fall in love, they have a family, they have babies. And you know what? A fighter's heart changes. You know, at the end of the day, to be a fighter, you have to be a savage. You have to be a pit bull. You know what I mean? They go in there wanting to kill somebody. But when you become a little domesticated, your heart ain't that cold anymore. It's hard to kind of be that way. So I just think with Petey, you know, he's got he's working on other things and don't be surprised if you see him doing some modeling, some fashion, some more acting because I think really that's where his mind was, was going in the past year was with that. Man. I uh all I know is I hope some of those clothes we saw in early twenty fifteen are part of the, the Petey Quillen fashion line. Once again yes. you're listening to the Ruckus podcast. Michelle Rosado, Raging Babe, on Twitter, the Raging Babe. DeAndre LaBeouf, BadCulture.net. If you want to call in and talk with us, seven one eight five zero eight nine eight five two. If you are in Texas and you have to be in Texas, or you got it like that and you're going to San Antonio this weekend, call in. We've got tickets to this weekend's PBC card plus a signed glove from somebody on the card. I don't know. I want an Al Heyman signed glove just so I can say I have it, but I doubt Al Heyman signed this glove. So if you are in the Texas area and you call into the show, we got these tickets for you. I don't know how much time I want to spend talking about Cuellar versus Okendo. Cuellar, you know, no longer in the Robert Garcia Boxing Academy, got a new trainer, fought against uh, Jonathan Okendo, thought it would be a much more exciting fight than what it actually was. That was like watching paint dry on grass was that was growing. It was horrible. It, it was it was bad. We don't need to spend two more seconds talking about that fight. I know. I so mean, bad. I think you know maybe that was the result. That maybe that's why the Quill and Jacobs fight was so fast. They used up all the airtime. <laughs> they said, "Come on, y'all got to end this quick because these these bums." Well, excuse me, not bums. These gentlemen used up all the airtime. So look, look, we need you guys to wrap it up quickly. You know who well, knows? You, you know what else we can talk about? There was another card uh, Saturday night. Didn't Rock Nation have their card in Florida? They sure did. They sure, they certainly did. Um, yes. What's the kid's name? Was that the card? Was uh, Dusty Harrison? Dusty Harrison. So th- this is this is the word 
that I got for you on Dusty Harrison and Rock Nation. So here we go. Rocky, uh, Dusty Harrison, he had been through at least four or five different opponents leading up to last Saturday. And for whatever reason, they either were pulling out or they were suspended. Nobody was checking a fight fast. And my thing is like, okay, you're Rock Nation. Whoever the matchmaker is, whoever his assistant is, when you come up with a name, an opponent, the first thing you should do is check fight back because that fighter could be suspended from a cut, a knockout, drugs. You know, it could be anything. So a couple times he had an opponent where finally when the fight back came in or anybody even bothered to do their due diligence, it was like, oh, no, that dude is suspended. So the one oh. kid that he was supposed to fight had taken a fight that nobody knew about. He went to Mexico and got knocked the fuck out. So when it finally gets back to Rock Nation, they're like, oh, crap, now we need to find another substitute. So they found somebody from, like, Venezuela. They came back, he had visa issues and this, that, and the third. Then they go to somebody else. Then they go to a kid named Matthew Strobe. Then Matthew Strobe was offered the fight with Victor Ortiz. PBC, Alhamdulillah, offered this cat like two, three times more money to fight Victor Ortiz and not take the Dusty Harrison fight. Because Dusty's like, damn, now I don't got an control. So they keep working. They come up with Santos Benavidez. Santos Benavidez was then offered three times the purse to fight Victor Ortiz on the PBC card this week. So I'm like, well, what happened with Matthew Strokes? What happened? Like, what is going on? So, Heyman is pretty much offering two to three times more for to fight his guys. So, poor Dusty Harrison went through five different people, and at the last moment, they thought they had two guys, but here they were offering triple the amount of money to fight Victor. And now, Victor, this Saturday, he's not even fighting either one of them cats. Oh, my God. So, poor Dusty went without a fight. Like, like some other Rock Nation fighters go through, all the photo promotion fighters were taken care of. They had a fight. They won. They were happy. Um, poor Dusty, he was left out. He missed Thanksgiving dinner. Um, he's frustrated. Um, but, you know, Heyman's got money to throw around, and if he wants to stop a fight or sabotage something, he could do it with his money. Man, first man, first we're blocking venues, now we're blocking fighters. Boy, it it is real out in these uh, matchmaking streets. So let me make sure I have this right before I tweet it incorrectly, and then I get some some mail in my in mailbox that I don't need. So Heyman is offering fighters, non-Heyman fighters, two and three times the money that they're being offered by the promoters of other cards that they're fighting on, so that they won't fight on these cards. I don't know if that's the, the exact reason that they're going to tell you, but I know that they're offering opposition two to three times more to take the fight with them than to take it with someone else. And we've seen this happen in Philly, too. I mean, this isn't the first time that it, it's happened, whether it be Rock Nation or whether it's affected other local cars. But, you know, it's kind of ironic that, you know, Rock Nation and Al Heyman, they're probably never, ever going to work together. And... Dusty was supposed to be the headliner, and the two fights that they had for him fell through because they were going to fight Victor Ortiz. And here, Victor Ortiz is going to fight either one of them today. Oh my God, that's hard. That's just horrible. I'm trying. 
Joshua is trying to call in on a different thing to see if I can do anything with that. This is just atrocious. Wow. My own line. So once again, sorry for the technical difficulties. You are listening to the Ruckus Podcast with Giandra LaBeouf and Raging Babe, Michelle Rosado, dropping some good word on the curb about matchmaking. Man, we're going to get some more good word on the curb if I can ever get some of this static off the line. <laughs> let's see what we can get here. Oh, let's see. Hello? Are we here? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, there we go. We have a Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you, Al Heyman, and thank you, baby Jesus. <laughs> the line. So, once again, Maybe it's my phone. Let me play the again. Sorry, listeners, and we will get killing me. All right. Let's see. What else can we move into? Um, so if you're just now listening to the show, we've already talked about um, Quill and Jacobs. We've talked about what's going on with these fighters not making these cards. You know, you touched upon Victor Ortiz. So Victor Ortiz, I'm sorry, I was in the middle of dialing in trying to get this better, clearer line. So Victor Ortiz, after them going through all of this, trying to pay these fighters not to take the fight, all of these guys that they've offered the money to, Victor Ortiz is not fighting any of these guys? No. uh, There was a press release that was sent out today announcing his opponent. Um, I don't know if you peeped that. I had put that out on my Twitter Honestly, I'm not even going to fake the funk. I don't even know this guy's name. I think he was like 33 and 13. They're going to fight in a 10-round fight. I'm going through my email right now hoping to come up with that name for you. Uh, Let's see. Here it is. Gilbert Sanchez Leon. And he is a Mexican veteran, 33, 13, and 2. And they're fighting in a 10-round welterweight affair. Is... um. Is Victor Ortiz still training with Joel Diaz? You know, the last time yes. I spoke with Joel Diaz was during Bradley Vargas fight week. And Joel was pretty, <laughs> he was pretty straight up about his concerns, we'll say. This kid is not focused. He's going to do his best. And he just doesn't have the heart. I gotta go back and dig through the archives and find this interview with um, Joel Diaz, and that was during Bradley Vargas. So now here we are. How long ago was that fight? It was a good while back. So it'll be yes. interesting to see what version of Victor Ortiz shows up in Texas. On according Saturday. to according to Victor Ortiz's Instagram, he's still with Joel. Um, but you know, Victor is who he is, and. You know, there's not going to be, like, this big resurrection or this big rejuvenation or this big, you know, comeback. I think Victor is Victor, and he's mm-hmm. a must-be fighter. We tune in because we love to watch him. We love his goofiness. We love his interviews. We love to watch him fight. Um, he'll give it his all, and then he'll quit the next minute, and then he's given it his all, and he's he's made for good entertainment, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's Maybe. what he's that's what he is. Maybe he and Peter Quillen will do a movie together, like one of those buddy cop movies. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens with them. 
<coughs> before we jump into uh, talking about the TBC card this weekend, why don't we talk a little bit about what's going on in the heavyweight division? Just mm-hmm. before we jumped on the air, there had been speculation, and I think you dropped this word on the curb yourself last week about, or even before that, about Silka landing a fight with Wilder. Before we jumped on the air tonight, I saw Dan Rayfield tweeting that Silka is now officially the opponent for the 16th. Last weekend during the um, Quill and Jacobs uh, fight night, they had a couple press conferences with Deontay Wilder, which were kind of, you know, pointless. They were just giving him the rock kid well treatment, letting everybody see that he was there. Didn't name an opponent, and then we get to today, Tuesday, and now we have an opponent, an opponent in in uh, Silka. What's up? And uh, what what is up with all this? First, we get Shannon Briggs in the mix, and she can pass a drug test. Now we got Silka in the mix. Uh, you know, yeah. what, so, so what's going on? Well, so here's the quick quick version is that, you know, originally the word was that Wilder was going to fight Glasgow. And even Steven Espinosa, the head of Showtime, tweeted a couple times that it was signed, it was a done deal. But you know main events, you better stop announcing stuff before they sign on the dotted line. So mm-hmm. they have some issues apparently with Lou DiBella wanting options on Glasgow, blah, 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 which is crazy to me because he's not even Deontay Wilder's manager or promoter. So why would he, and I understand he would be the official promoter in Brooklyn for this fight, but he's not mm-hmm. Deontay Wilder's promoter. So why do you want options on Glasgow if he beats Deontay Wilder? Why the fuck do you think that you deserve that? So, mm-hmm. and I may be speaking really out of, like, my head right now. Like, maybe there's something I don't understand. But main events was like, nah. Like, nah, son. Like, you don't get options on him, so we're good. We're going to pull off typical main events. They they did a checkmate. You know, like, we will go somewhere <laughs> else. That's cool. And so now they're like, oh, shit. Like, what are we going to do? So about a month, a month and a half ago, the Spilka Montour fight was taken off of the San Antonio card. And they said that they were postponing it to put it somewhere else. And I immediately said, no, there are two backups for Deontay Wilder. And sure enough, mm-hmm. that is what happened. So when the whole thing with Klaskov fell through, Montour was offered the fight. And he agreed mm-hmm. to all the terms, the money, the gloves, the weight, or not the weight, the, the heavyweight, but he agreed, he agreed to everything, okay? And then, uh, but they really wanted Spilka. But Spilka, he was outpricing himself. So with Mansoor, everything was kind of fast and furious. Like, it really did look like he was going to get the fight until Spilka came back and started entertaining the fight again. You know, he started coming down with his price because originally he just wanted too much. Now then, Shannon Briggs' name popped up because the problem with Spilka is not only – am I saying his, right, his name right, Spilka? You sure, you sure are. Okay. So the other issue with him is um, not only did he want too much money, but remember, Brian Jennings knocked him out. So mm-hmm. they're like, well, you know, how viable of an opponent is he? How are we going to spin this? How is it going to sound good? And then the thing with Montour was, all right, he didn't look too good against Gerald Washington, right? We know that. That was a terrible fight. But he, you know, he got the draw. Many people thought he won. And then earlier this year, 
he didn't really look phenomenal against Joey Dueco on ESPN Friday Night Fights in Philly. So, like, well, how are we going to spin that? So that's how Shannon Briggs' name came up. You know, he's ranked, I think, like 21st. He's got a big mouth. He'll sell a study. He's originally from Brooklyn. And Showtime is not PBC. So Steven Espinosa wants to sell tickets. He wants the venue to be full. He does not want to give away free tickets. And he needs a decent opponent to sell this fight in Brooklyn. Because Deontay Wilder can't really sell it himself. You know, he's not that major yet. So anyway... Beyonce Wilder's like, okay, cool, but Shannon Briggs has to take a drug test because we all know he's on something. He acts Let's crazy. He talks crazy. Uh, so that man, you know, according to Beyonce, he's steroided up. He's taking pets. He's doing something. <laughs> uh, so Shannon Briggs, he started asking for ridiculous money too because he felt like that the ball was in his court. Like, y'all need me. So I mm-hmm. want, like, $2 million. Y'all going to have to pay me because you guys need me. Well, little did he know that Silka came around to his senses today, and they finally were able to agree on some terms and some money, and so he got the fight. Uh, but, you know, Mansoor did agree to everything, um, money, this, that, that. Um, but Silka came around and got the fight. So Shannon That's- Briggs lost out on the fight because he just he asked for too much, and you know, I don't really think it was that sellable. I know people think that Shannon Briggs is funny, but I think it almost would have made a mockery out of this fight. Like, really? That's who Wilder's going to fight? Like, the dude's not even in the top ten. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. Uh, while it sounded funny and sounded entertaining, it would have been a disaster, I think. Yeah, that's that, that, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, as much as we enjoy... Shannon Briggs, and he's quite a character in social media. I mean, do we really want to see him fight for the world championship belt? What if it's one of those Luke-ass nights and he really knocks Wilder out? Good grief. So, I don't know. That's uh, terrible, terrible. I'm sitting here watching the scroll go by. No, go ahead, Michelle, and then I'm going to tell you what I see scrolling by my screen while we've been uh, talking here. (laughs) Well, uh, now, since we're still talking about the heavyweights and Monsoor and Shannon Briggs, you know, the other thing that happened today was that um, Tyson Fury was stripped of the IBS belt. So that freed right. up Charles Martin to fight Glasscock. So Martin is indeed or has indeed pulled out of his fight this weekend with Dominic Brazil. So they're like, mm. oh, shit, we need to get Dominic Brazil a fight ASAP. Let's call Amir Monsoor. They always call Philly when they need, like, last-minute fighters. Because they know that they're in the gym, they know they're in shape, they know they're going to come to fight, and I know that they offered Amir Mansoor that fight for decent money. Like, I'm talking six figures, um, but I know that they've also offered the fight against uh, Brazil this weekend to a couple other people, so hopefully Mansoor gets a fight. You know, he didn't get the Wilder fight, maybe he'll get the Brazil fight this weekend, but I saw... Henry Ramirez, who trains Ariola, he was trying to get one of his fighters in there with Brazil. Um, everybody wants to fight Brazil. They all feel like they could beat him. You know, he didn't right. show anything different. So uh, we'll see. They're kind of playing hot potato with uh, Amir Mansour. That's a shame. That's a shame. Amir Mansour is quite a formidable guy, and he would have been a really, really great opponent. But, you know, one of those kind of high-risk 
type of opponents. I mean, very unpredictable. And what was the last fight Amir Mansour was in where he got jobbed? What, uh, well, I can't remember which fight that was. Whatever one of his most recent fights where he, he got screwed on the decision. So that, that really sucks. But like you said, when they need a guy to step into the ring, what do they do? Call Philly. Call Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, and keeping on. So we're going to get Wilder Spilka at the beginning of the year. And, and Tyson Fury. So, you know, this is when Ryan comes in handy because Ryan is very, very anal about belts and who got the belt and how long they had it and, you know, all the, the technicalities in the back in the background that we don't all pay mm. as much attention to. So the IBF comes in, they strip Tyson Fury of the belt, which to me is just utter bullshit. He just barely quit. won the like, he just fought. He just fought. Yeah. yeah you, got, you got champs who've been sitting on belts. Hell, look how long it took them to strip um, Jermaine Taylor. Jermaine mm-hmm. Taylor went to jail. And wasn't he the IBF champion? Was it the I, I believe it was the IBF. Jermaine Taylor went to jail. And it still took them some months to decide what they were going to do with him. Tyson Fury wins the title. <laughs> and, and a month it, it hasn't even been a month What did he beat Klitschko like three weeks ago And they're already stripping him of the title That's such bullshit That's just awful and atrocious I can't yeah. remember a time when Klitschko Now no shade Klitschko fights all of his mandatories Whether you like his mandatories or not But I don't ever recall a time Where he had decided within three weeks Who his next opponent was They just don't want Tyson Fury having that belt and that's just that's just bad and disgusting. Shame on you, IBS. We might have to yeah. add you to the the derecognized hashtag that we like to put on Twitter. <laughs> Talk, talking about the IBS, I got something else for you with the IBS. Ooh, ooh. So uh, we all know that Julian Williams has been dying to get a big fight. He has called out Austin Trout. He's called out the Charlo brothers. He has taken fights with Vanis. That didn't happen. He's accepted fights with Tony Harrison, Willie Nelson. I mean, I could go down the list. That they don't turn nothing down but their collar, okay? So they just don't have that luxury. So whatever's presented to them, they'll take it. Who do you want to fight? Give us the hardest fight. So Trout, even though he was acting like he would fight him, blah, 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 he was like, nah. Um, Jamal, Charlo, you know, he was acting all, yeah, yeah, yeah. That didn't happen. So they said, look, we're going to have to get it the hard way. Let's look at the IBF. And Michel Soro, Soro, is that his name? I call him Michael Soro, but I think the French way is Michel. Um, oh, yeah, I've been doing the same thing. So Soro and J-Rock was going to happen. And they and it was, they were even talking about going to Perth this week with it. Um, and so that looked like that was going to go down in January, which would have been a really great fight for Julian Soro. He's a good fighter. He knocked out or stopped uh, Len Tapia not too long ago, viciously. So it would, have been a, it would have been good for Julian. Well, Soro has a really good manager, and he started looking at the IVF rankings, and he's like, hold up. Why do we got to fight Julian when we're supposed to fight with Jamel? Why are we skipping Jamel? Why do we got to get Julian? So he's got a really sharp manager. Make a long story short, that fight's not going to happen now. And Jamel is either going to have to 
give up his ranking or they're going to have to figure something out because he can't hold that number two ranking forever because, of course, he's not going to play his brother. And Jamal has the IBF belt, right? right? He's the champ, the IBF champ. So that's the whole thing is where they were trying to get Zoro and Julian to fight, but Zoro's manager is like, nah, man, like, we want Jamal. We shouldn't have to skip Jamal. Like, we want to fight the next dude in line. So what this means for Julian is they got to go back. They got to look at the rankings. Okay, who's the next one in line? It's some Japanese kid. don't even know his name. The guy after that is Vanish, is uh, Vance Martesian. So Julian's back to square one, needing an opponent and figuring out what they're going to do. It's very unfortunate, um, but that all happened today. I think we are now joined by Jake Donovan, if this is the right area, code 615. Jake Donovan, are you on the line with us? Jake Donovan is on the line. Jake Donovan, managing editor, BoxingScene.com, joining me, and Michelle Rosado, the Rage Mate. How are you doing, Jake? You just in time. Oh, I'm doing, we're talking about, I'm doing we're fantastic. Talking about yeah, all, this, all this great stuff that's going on with the IBS. Oh, yeah, it's just fantastic time in uh, boxing in general, all these great fights that aren't, aren't happening, isn't it? <laughs> so what's the, you know, Jake, maybe you can clarify this for us. Yep. And with the IBF, we saw this evening that Tyson Fury has been officially stripped of the IBF title. And right. maybe I'm just too new. I don't recall the IBF acting so quickly on a person to select a mandatory, for instance, Vladimir Klitschko. Lover hated his mandatory. He fought his mandatory, but I never saw them act so quickly, threatening to strip him of the title if he didn't select his mandatory within, like, two to three weeks of completing a fight. Is this standard operating procedure for the IBF? It's not always standard operating procedure, but the problem is that uh, Glaskov was the mandatory as far back as, I believe, the mandatory title defense was due way back in August. The IBF made the exception to allow Klitschko to fight in Fury, being that he has, you know, so many belts, so he has so many mandatory challengers. The IBF uh, said, you know, we'll let him fight Fury with the condition that the winner is going to fight Glasgow. So both fighters knew going in that they would have to fight Glasgow or else give up the belt. Vlad lost. He decided to exercise his rematch clause, which most sanctioned bodies actually frown upon, you know, for this very reason, because they have their other fights that they want to push through. So that became the issue with uh, Fury. Now, a 30-day negotiation period could have taken place. However, Glasgow's from all the main events wanted to protect his interest, making sure he got his title shot. So they ordered an immediate purse bid instead of uh, trading this whole thing with the, the escalation of Fury getting stripped. How do you feel about that? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a big fan of sanctioning bodies in general. I mean, of the four, the IBF does tend to follow its rules, you know, the closest. And it, it becomes a delicate issue because – then you say, you know, why can't the IBF make an exception? But then when they do, then you have the other side saying, well, why can't they follow their own rules? So, I mean, you know, in boxing, unfortunately, it seems like rules are always there that, you know, are made to be broken. But I, I, I can't find complete fault with uh, with the IBF more so than just really everyone else involved. I mean, you can throw around plenty of blame in all of this. So, I mean, you know, a deal, theoretically, you know, people say, why couldn't Glasgow make a deal with, you know, uh, Fury and Klitschko? But it was clear neither one of them really wanted to fight Glasgow for the simple fact that it's just a mandatory title fight. There's no money in it. You know, had Klitschko won, sure, he's going to get his bank. I mean, you know, Fury, if there was no rematch clause, he probably could have fought Glasgow, and, you know, the fight would have uh, – he's going to be a big draw in England, and, you know, as it is. But, you know, Glasgow just isn't a guy that's going to command, you know, a huge salary, not as much as, you know, Fury and Klitschko stand to – 
to, to make fighting each other a second time. So, okay, of the of the sanctioned bodies, we said the IBF follows their rules the closest. The WBO is the youngest sanctioning body, correct? Uh, of the four, they're the ones that, uh, I, I guess, gain the notoriety the latest. So. so let's just say I wanted to form the Inglewood Boxing <laughs> Association belt. What do I need to do to have my own belt? Because there's been this long rumor that PBC ultimately would start creating their own belt since they have the lion's share of, quote-unquote, relevant fighters that are in the marketplace right now. What does one have to do to become an officially recognized <laughs> sanctioning body? Because I might right. want to start one, too. I, I mean, I don't think it's going to take much. I mean, you could just declare yourself a nonprofit organization, then, you know, hold conventions and ask promoters, hey, who's willing to bribe me the, you know, who's willing to, you know, toss me the biggest bribe? You know, and then there you go. You got your top two ranked contenders and, you know, throw up a belt at the um, As far as PBC goes, I don't think it's going to be actually a sanctioning body, more so than symbolic of, you know, they're going to label a certain fight, you know, a championship fight. You know, I, I don't know necessarily they're going to, you know, they're going to start ranking fighters and, you know, creating a, a fifth, quote-unquote, major sanctioning body, or sixth if you want to count the IBO. But um, it, me personally, I tend to look at divisions and I just rank fighters from one to ten, and that even becomes tough because now you got so many fights that take place at catchweights instead of actual, you know, one of the seventeen weight classes. So, I, I I don't know what to say. I really don't pay the sanctioning bodies any mind, to be honest. So okay, before we close the book on sanctioning bodies, let me make <laughs> sure I heard this correctly. Did you say they're nonprofit organizations? Um, I'll, I'll speak. Uh, they're supposed to be. I'll put it that way. That the money they collect for sanctioning fees is supposed to go towards, you know, paying officials, you know, the holding the convention, and just, you know, general maintenance. Um, yeah, it's not supposed to be to, you know, to, to build mansions. <laughs> You're listening to the Ruckus Podcast. Sanctioning bodies are nonprofit organizations. Who knew? I might have to do some, some digging into this. The call-in <laughs> number is 718-508-9852. Take Donovan, Boxing Scene. Michelle Rosado, The Raging Babe. I'm Giandra LaBeouf. We have tickets to give away to this weekend's PBC card in San Antonio, Texas. So if you're in San Antonio and you want to go to the fight this weekend, give us a call. I got some tickets for you. I know you're probably grumbling on Twitter right now about boxing for free and PBC. Just go to the fight. You're not buying the tickets. Go to the fight. Support these fighters. Let them see some, some hot seats. Yeah, no fighter wants to fight in an empty venue. No fighter. I don't care what they tell you, how much money they're making. They don't want to fight in an empty venue. So go, get the tickets, have fun, buy beers, spend your money in other ways there. Yeah, I mean, tell your friends badculture.net sent you to the fight. I mean, you know, I know there's this big divide in the boxing landscape. You know, there aren't too many people who are like, PBCS, okay. Or, you know, tough race, okay. There's this very clear line in the sand whether you, if you're a PBCer or you're a, a non-PBCer, what happened to just supporting fighters? What, what happened to that? I'm going to start with Michelle because I know you've talked about this a lot on your timeline about fighters who allow their people to make too many decisions in the guidance of their careers. Not only that controlling their social media, you know, for those who haven't had a chance to really hear your non-160 character thoughts on the, on the subject, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on that? And then, Jake, I'll ask you the same thing. Uh, well, what's the original question, my thoughts on what? On why do people 
have such a problem with just supporting fighters? Why is it so, oh, these are Heyman fighters. I don't want to watch these fights. Or, oh, these I are top I don't, I don't like Bob Arum. Yeah, honestly, I don't, I really don't know. It is kind of weird, and I say it all the time. I'm going to watch a fight, whether it's on HBO or Showtime or Fox or NBC, but there are some people that legitimately will not watch it because it's a PBC fight and it's on Bounce TV. Or, like, who cares? Like, yeah, my thing is, if I don't really care for the fight, then I won't watch it, but I usually watch all the fights regardless, you know what I mean? So I don't know what anybody has done to anybody because, you know, like Bob Arum hasn't hurt me or my family or robbed from me, and Al Heyman hasn't done that to me or my family either. So some people do have vendettas and agendas and everything, but, look, if it's a good fight and it's on Showtime, I'm going to say it was a good fight. If it's a good fight on NBC, it was a good fight. If it was shitty, it was shitty. To me, you know, I don't know why – there's a boycott or why there's so much negativity on supporting certain fighters because they're signed with certain people. I, I don't get that. Jake, being that you work with such a global entity that really covers boxing as a whole, why, what do you think has, do you think the, these, this divide is more, you know, a generational thing and a and a quick thing, or you know, why why do you think there's just such a divide in supporting fighters? Like Michelle said, these promoters, managers, advisors have not done anything to these people individually to take money from their families. Why is there such a divide? Why are people so quick to jump on that? I don't watch this fight bandwagon. I, I'm going to say this strictly as opinion and just based on, like, how the whole PVC movement began. It seemed like a lot, um, there was a few key people that were trying to whisper in certain reporters' ears, you know, saying, hey, look out for this. You know, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of tough to describe. It just seemed like a lot of people wanted to see Al Heyman's, you know, vision, I guess, you know, just fall apart. And it, nobody ever seemed to really jump off that bandwagon. It just for some reason in boxing, everyone always feels the need to pick sides, which is crazy because, you know, fights are supposed to be just one-on-one. You know, it's about teams in the gym, but, you know, once the fight begins, it's just between two fighters, yet everyone always seems to, you know, want to be on a certain team when it comes to boxing. And it's a shame. We just need to, you know, support the, the, the sport as a whole. But it seems like, I don't know, it just seems like certain entities are speaking, you know, are serving the agendas of, of promoters who want to see Al Heyman fail. And then the other side is the guys who support Al Heyman seem to go the other way. They want to see all, everyone else fail. And it just be all about PBC. It's it's right up there with sanctioning body stuff, to be honest. It's all just a bunch of nonsense, and it, you know, it bears away from the fact that there's still a lot that needs to be fixed in boxing. But you mm-hmm. know, there's so many sidebars that come up that we're not fixing the problems. All we're doing is adding new problems to the to the equation. What do you think is the major problem affecting boxing right now? Is it sanctioning body? Those, or no, is it, it lack of oversight? What is it? Right. The way I look at it, a good fight is a good fight. You don't need a title on, on the line to make a good fight. But the, the problem is that, you know, they want to put a title at stake, so that's when the sanctioning bodies come into play. And then you got to play by their rules or, you know, whatever rules they choose to make up at the time. The problem is that it, 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 people find too many ways to say no to a good fight rather than one way to say mm-hmm. yes. I mean, I, I kind of brought this up earlier with a stupid, uh, you know, Twitter conversation where, you know, Everyone wants to explain why a fight between Deontay Wilder and, you know, Vatislav Glasgow didn't happen. It's like, I, I really don't give a shit, you know, who's telling mm-hmm. the truth and who's lying. All I know is that we don't have a fight between them two when one was on the table. 
So I need to stop mm-hmm. hearing, you know, blame as to why fights aren't happening. And I need to hear, hey, this fight is actually going to happen. So that's what we need to look at in 2016. And to be honest, you know, the fights that are being suggested so far for, so for the first part of 2016, I, I'm not looking forward to the year. 2015 mm-hmm. was supposed to be a year that was going to change the sport. All we got is, you know, different looks, but we're still getting bullshit fights. I know. Jay, 2015 started off with ask, some strength. Go ahead, Michelle. Jake, where are you from? <laughs> Originally New York. Okay. I heard the accent. Yeah. I know I All like right. you. Okay. okay. Well, I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, you know, New Yorkers keep it 100. You're listening to the Runners <laughs> Podcast for the 1-8-508-9852. You, you know, Go ahead, Michelle. Since he, since he is from New York, I have a question for you then. With Deontay okay. Wilder going to New York in January, I found that to be a little odd. I mean, I get that they need to take him out of Alabama because they can't just build him or continue building him in Alabama. But New York seems so odd to me. Like, do you think that they could build him in New York? I mean, GGG has had success in New York. I think Felix Verdejo is going to have success in New York. I don't know if New York is going to be very receptive to embracing Deontay Wilder. How do you feel about that? Well, with the next fight coming up, I mean, we're already at the point. I mean, you got, what, five weeks to sell tickets for his next fight, so I'm not sure it's going to be a success right out the gate. But, I mean, I do get the concept, and I think it's more so about just kind of establishing Barclays Center as, as the new, you know, center for uh, for boxing. You know, just everyone keeps saying, you know, the MGM Grand is like the boxing capital. I think they're trying to make, you know, the Barclays Center become that. And it's it's on its way. I mean, in the three years, it's, you know, it, it's been in, involved in the sport. It, it's put on some, you know, pretty damn good events, and it's already given Madison Square Garden a run for its money to where if you want to fight in New York, you don't necessarily have to go to Madison Square Garden. You know, Barclays is now an attractive option. You know, the way they built up that area. I, if I was a promoter and I was trying to market someone like Deontay out of Alabama, I mean, I just feel like I would be a little more strategic. I mean, I know New York is a boxing hotbed right now, but New Yorkers, as you know, are very fine, some tiny. They either like you or they mm-hmm. don't. Like, there is no mm-hmm. in-between with New Yorkers. And I almost feel like, you know, there there was some rumblings, and maybe you know more, that they might do Broner in Atlanta. And I kind of yes. thought, wow, Atlanta would be a great city to take Wilder to. I mean, they have a huge population of African Americans. It's still kind of south, but not really you know, right. when mm-hmm. I think of Wilder, I'm like, why wouldn't they take him to Atlanta? I would have went to Atlanta before New York. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. And like I said, I mean, I love the fact that he fought twice in Birmingham, where I live now. That's a, you know, that's a two-and-a-half-hour drive for me. That's practically a home game. You know, Atlanta's yeah. four hours away. Um, so I, get, I, I think Brona, you know, does fit the vibe for, you know, a, a fight in Atlanta. Um, while, I mean, that fight would have made perfect sense, you know, especially it's Martin Luther King, you know, day weekend. It's, you know, why not have that fight in Atlanta? But uh, mm-hmm. I could see it in New York. I think it just needed to be, uh, you know, laid out much better than, you know, even announcing it on December 5th is just it's cutting it way too close to the fight night itself. So I feel like fights are just missing, you know, the, the art of a sufficient promotion. But I, I do get what you're saying, though. I mean, I would like to see him, you know, build his brand in Atlanta as well. Maybe they figured, you know, he fought in Birmingham. He had the, the sold-out fight in June. The next one didn't do quite as well in uh, September, although it was going up against a lot of college football action you know, in the area. So maybe they felt, you know what, let's just, you know, give him a shot up north and see how he does there. It just so, seems like I mean, he, he, I, I guess the idea is, too, is, that, you know, that you know, you try to put the world back in world champions. So you start, you know, spread him out throughout the United States and then, you know, eventually build up his world tour. I mean, if he's going to fight Tyson Fury or Vladimir Klitschko, that's not a fight that's necessarily going to take place in the United States either. So 
you know, he kind of got to right. build his brand outside of his home region. I don't know. Just based on watching this whole Rod Tidwell treatment they gave him in New York this weekend with him with his fancy coat and his black gloves, and it just <laughs> seems so – it reminded me of one of those old cartoons where, like, Bugs Bunny's got, like, a stick with his little handkerchief on the back, and he's going up long to, you know, make some new friends, and it just it just seems like too too big a jump. What do you think is the worst jump? I'll ask Michelle first. Deontay Wilder trying to make a splash in New York or um, Sergey Kovalev trying to make a splash in Vegas. Also an odd pairing. You know, uh, fight in, you know, it's just so odd. It yeah. seems like it should be the other way around. Yeah, I they should have the taken Kovalev to New York. Yeah, Kovalev in New York, would have, I think, would have done well. You know, we look at the success that Triple G has had in New York, and I just it's closer to main events as home base, and it just seemed like a logical jump to maybe do his fight at, at the Garden in one of the smaller rooms or do it at the Barclays. But they have transported him across country to Las Vegas, which Vegas is a tourist destination. It doesn't have a built-up city like all the other major fight cities. But let's put him there. And then let's pluck Deontay Wilder out of Alabama. And, you know, I got nothing but love from Alabama. I got a lot of friends from there who can cook really well. And let's just pop him into New York. And it just seems... Such an odd pairing. The Broner in Atlanta thing I totally get because Broner's trying to do his rap thing. He's doing a partnering with Rick Ross. And as we've seen for reality TV, it's a lot of entertainment things going on in Atlanta. So I get that. But, hey, you know, have Deontay Wilder in there too. But I don't know. It just seems like they're setting him up for failure because I don't see anybody buying, you know, just New Yorkers coming out in Grove to go see Deontay Wilder. That crowd is going to be pro. What is Glasgow? He's Russian, right? Well, you know, if if I were advising or consulting anybody at PBC doing this father card, like if Luke Bella called me up tomorrow and was like, Michelle, what's your opinion? Not that he ever would, but he might side in my DM. But like he did call me, <laughs> Lou, shout out to Lou. I would say if you can, pass the card with Philly guys. Because at least Philly people will take the drive to New York. They will get in the car for an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half, and they will go to Brooklyn. So if they're doing Wilder in New York, put Julian Williams on the card. Put all those other Heyman fighters on the undercard. He's got Steve Fulton, and he's got Scooter, or that is the same kid, I think. They got Milton Santiago out of Philly, Puerto Rican kid who's like 19 years old. Heyman's got... Um, uh, what's the other one? Kyron Davis, who who trains with Stephen Edwards. Um, put freaking Eddie Chambers on the card. I don't know. I would end up just packing it with maybe some guys from Philly that could bring a little bit of a ruckus fan base with them. That's what I mm-hmm. think I would do. Yep. Julian yep. needs a big fight anyway. That'd be great visibility for him if they put him on that card. But he's got a lot of issues with the Soro fight right now, so that's too bad. Hey, Jake, you know, you, you're, you're a guy with your ear to the street. While we're talking about PBC guys in the, the first quarter of 2016, what is up with Thurman Porter? You know, that fight is a shame, and it, it's funny, too. Initially, the fight was – this that was the fight that was supposed to headline the December 12th show in San Antonio. I mean, way back, I, I want to say in September, maybe, you know, early October, they were already talking about, you know what, this fight is pretty close to done deal. We're going to tap this card on, you know, tap this – top of massive card in San Antonio. That's a big way to end the year. 
Then came the opportunity to stage uh, Daniel Jacobs with Peter Quillen. The initial excuse offered was that they didn't want to stage what they felt was two big events in a row back to back. I, I don't personally, I don't buy it. You know, I guess I can maybe kind of get that logic, but then now you're looking at now they're getting ready to launch PBC on Fox. Okay. That would have been a great opportunity. You know, Thurman helped launch PBC on NBC. He launched PBC on ESPN. A lot of choice to, to launch PBC on Fox, right? And so we get mm-hmm. Danny Garcia versus Robert Garcia fighting in LA <laughs> instead of, you know, where Danny Garcia has become a decent draw on the East coast, you know, but as Michelle said, you know, bringing the Philly boys to Brooklyn. But, um, I, I don't know what's going on with this one. It, it's a shame because, you know, Sean Porter is sitting on the biggest win of his career. You know, when he, you know, he uh, beat Adrian Broner in June. He hasn't been given the chance to capitalize on it. And he's going cold. He hasn't even been given a tune-up fight. Meanwhile, Adrian Broner has been given a chance to fight for a bullshit title. He's getting ready to defend that bullshit title now mm-hmm. in Atlanta. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got, you got Sean Porter just sitting on the sidelines waiting for, for Keith Thurman to make up his mind. And it's a shame, too, because Keith Thurman was supposed to be that welterweight. You know, everyone knew Floyd was, you know, eventually going to exit from the game. And, you know, you're looking for a guy to take over the welterweight division. And Keith Thurman has that title that, that can ignite fans, you know, if marketed the right way. But, you know, I going silent, that. not talking to the media, not you know, not even giving an update on, you know, when this fight is going to happen. It's, just, it's, it's certainly not for the better than this, but I'll tell you that. I think, ahead, DeAndre, that Ken, I think Kenny and Sean really pulled his cards. I think that Thurman, I think he liked the fact that he was always, like, feared, that he felt that people were stuck in him. Um, I think he, he kind of liked that. And all of a sudden now he got this live dog barking up his tree in Sean Porter, like, I'll fight you. I'll agree to all the terms. I agree to the money. I agree to the location. Um, let's just get it on. Let's bang. And Thurman's like, hold up. You know, he's he's kind of used to being feared. And then what happens? He's got to fight the Luis Colazos of the world. He has to fight these other guys because nobody wants to fight me. Nobody wants to fight me. Well, now you do have somebody who wants to fight you, and Earl Spence been calling him out like crazy, too. And I'm not saying Spence is, you know, ready for him tomorrow, but he got two live dogs barking for him now. And all of a sudden now he's gone quiet. He wants more money. He doesn't know if he wants to fight. Like, that's, it's starting to show you a little bit more of his character where um, I think his card was pulled a little bit. No, no, Keith, the poor Keith Thurman. He's out in clear water sitting under a tree playing the flute recording. <laughs> they're, making, they, they're, they're interrupting his bend. You know, this is just too much. It's too much. It's too hectic for him. You know, yeah. listeners, um, listeners, if you don't mind, I just wanted to jump in. I'm sorry. Um, I just want to give a absolutely. There was actually a, a PBC fight on, on Fox What's Not. Fox what's one, a very scary knockout. Uh, Juan Ooh. Dominguez got knocked out by, yeah, by uh, Unifel Vicente. Uh, it's sadly, I mean, it, it'll probably be recognized as a knockout, yeah, but Juan Dominguez had to be carried out on the stretcher. So I just want to you know, offer some quick uh, thoughts and prayers that, you know, we don't wind up with another tragic situation on our hands. Oh, my. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. I'm sure I'll see uh, a vine of it scrolling through my timeline. So if you're tuned in to PBC on uh, Fox Sports 1, at me with the with the clip so I can see it. Well, they're, um, they're saying it's definitely, you know, a candidate of the year for knockout of the year. And I'm thinking, ooh, can it be any more brutal than what Bracero did to O'Connor? Like, if it's worse than – if it's a better knockout than that, then holy crap. Ugh. Ay, ay, ay. Let's see. Let us move on then. Well, Oh, hey, here's a good topic. And, Michelle, I know you probably have some good info on this. 
let's talk about this Pacquiao decision. Pacquiao taking, many Pacquiao taking a page out of the LeBron James handbook is going to have a whole TV, true TV announcement <laughs> allegedly this Friday to announce who has won the Manny Pacquiao golden ticket for his what could be his final professional fight of his storied career. Will it be Terrence Crawford? Will it be Tim Bradley? Could it be Amir Khan? We know it's not Amir Khan. You know, could he could he throw us a out? You know, throw us a curveball and pick Victor Postel? Who knows? Who's he going to pick? I'm going to start with uh, Michelle Rosado. Give us a word on the curve that you know about this fight, and then Jake, I will have you uh, chime in on what you know behind the scenes. Absolutely. Well, I I can't say too too much, and maybe Jake knows more than me and can share more, but. I know as of today, um, you know, I got a call last week to go to Puerto Rico this week. And, DeAndre, I think I kind of told you about it with Team Crawford and they're doing some stuff mm-hmm. out there. I think the WBO is doing this anti-bullying campaign and they're going to give them a new piece of hardware. The Verdejo fight is this week there. And I think that they were going to talk business. I think they were going to, you know, meaning top rank and Team Crawford, to, you know, talk business, conduct business, figure things out. And I was actually going to go to work for Team Crawford and kind of be like the translator during this whole anti-bullying campaign and do some other things for him behind the scenes, not so much with his contract for Pacquiao. But um, anyway, as of today, Terrence Crawford is still in Reno. He's at the men's Olympic trials. I think that's what's going on there. And, uh, he might go to Puerto Rico. He might not. Um, his trainer, Bo Mack, he is putting on a really big fight, a local part in Omaha next weekend. So he's actually wanting to stay in Omaha this week instead of going to Puerto Rico to promote his part a little more. So me putting two and two together, two plus two equals four, you know, I'm thinking, well, if they're not really gung-ho about going to Puerto Rico this week, I just wonder what's going on with the Pacquiao fight, or maybe it did fall through because now um, it doesn't seem like anybody's too pressed to be in Puerto Rico this week. Jay Donovan, what's going uh, on? I mean, is uh, is yeah. another male stripper going to get the fight against uh, Manny Pacquiao? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I, I mean, I'm with Michelle on this one. It seems like Tim Bradley is the um, – it's weird. He's actually the, the least embraced choice by the by the fans, but it, it seems to be the, the one that, you know, top rank is going to – Mm-hmm. They keep claiming they're not pushing for it, but I, I believe it's, we're going to get uh, Pacquiao Bradley three. And Michelle, a quick correction: I believe that card in Omaha is actually this weekend. If you're talking about the one with uh, Mike Lee, uh, what in Omaha? Yes. I didn't even know Unless... that Mike Lee was on that card. Okay, um, I saw you're right. It is with... this Saturday. It is this Saturday. Okay. Yep. Right. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry, quick sidebar on that. But, um, yeah, my sense was that um, Bradley's going to get the fight. And the only reason I, I think that is uh, Steve Kim actually just submitted an article. I'm not sure if it had posted yet on Boxing Scene, but if not, it will go up soon, that uh, Terrence Crawford is already mapping out his 2016. It's it, They say it's his plan B, but, you know, he's they're already looking at three fights on the year. I don't think Pacquiao's going to end up being one of them personally. I think we get uh, Pacquiao-Bradley three, and the hook on that is, you know, Bradley's his new fire under uh, Teddy Atlas. I'm not going to get mm. the whole fireman thing, but um, I guess, you know, yeah, they were firemen. Yep. But um, that's the new angle to add to an old rivalry that, you know, no one really wanted to see a rubber match, but you know, it's the last fight of Manny Pacquiao's career. So we get what we get. 
You know, that's a lot of pomp and circumstance. Can you can you imagine the narrative with uh, promoting this fight? You've got um, Tim Tim Bradley with his new fire with uh, Teddy Atlas. You've got Manny Pacquiao with his story. Uh, the last time we'll see him hit the mitt with Freddie Roach. And, wow, the two-story boxing legends colliding in the ring in Las Vegas for what could be the Manila's first son's final fight or General Santos City or wherever Manny is from. Honestly, they could miss me with Manny Pacquiao versus Tim Bradley 3, but if that's what we're going to get, hell, I'll go. I mean, it's Manny Pacquiao. could be the final fight of his career. But honestly, they could miss me. Boy, I... This, the the stories will be ablaze when this hits the airwaves if this, in fact, is the final selection. And all I can say is kudos to Monica Bradley because if she worked that out, that should quiet all conversation about her prowess as a manager for her husband. Kudos to Monica I mean, Bradley. Yeah, indeed. I mean, you know, she's on the 2015 ball, uh, Boxing Writers Association ballot for manager of the year. So, you know, really? she can get back to back. Yes, yes, she was one of four managers named and, um, the fifth one with no award, which is actually going to get my award for this year. But, um, you know, like I said, Monica made it this year for what, you know, the position she got to him in, getting him another world title shot. And, you know, if he, if he gets that third fight with Bradley, then, then heck yeah, you know, she deserves her accolades for that as well. Definitely. Uh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah, she did that. She did that, but we don't want that. Yeah. She did that, but we don't want she that. She didn't but, do that. But, Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. If somebody would, land, would throw me a fighter like Tim Bradley at that point in his career and was like, okay, now you can manage him, I could have done the same shit. Like, Come on, Michelle. Somebody has to take credit, though. Yeah, <laughs> well, take credit. Give, give Cameron Duncan some credit. Let me say, Look, whether you hate him or you love him, he got Tim Bradley out of that Gary Shaw contract. Anybody that signs with Gary Shaw wants to get out of a contract, and it's not easy. Yes. So if anybody mm. deserves a purple heart or a medal or anything, <laughs> Cameron is the one that got him from Gary Shaw, top rank, got him his life-changing money paydays. His economics completely changed after that first Pacquiao fight, and that's when Monica took over as manager. Come on, I could have done that. Give me give me a fighter like that. Like, give me Floyd tomorrow, and what, am I going to be manager of the year because he fights again and makes $300 million? No. <laughs> no, let's, we don't get you Andre Berto. No, I'm good. No, I have enough headaches. That's good. Oh, my goodness. So we will see. We will await the announcement. We will, you know, I would like to thank my fans, and we will get the announcement on Friday to see who Manny Pacquiao will be fighting this. uh, When is this fight going to take place? Is this an April fight? April 9th in Las Vegas. April 9th 9th in Las Vegas is the date that's uh, being targeted. So one one fight I can almost guarantee that it won't be is Victor Postol. So I mean, you know, you, you want to see Victor get a big fight. Maybe he gets Terrence Crawford. I mean, just the yeah. fact that they're both trained by Freddie Roach. I don't see, you know, Freddie allowing that fight to happen. Even he would obviously choose Manny over Victor as far as which corner he's standing in. But I mean, that's definitely not a fight that's going to happen. So. Oh, let me ask you. Let me backtrack a little bit back to uh, the middleweight because as Ryan calls the weakest middleweight division since fighters came over on covered wagons. Well, I want to. I have a quick question about uh, Triple G, and now with this victory of Danny Jacobs over Peter Flynn, Danny Jacobs has a version of the WBA title because God knows there's about 400 versions of the WBA title in every weight class, and there's been 
people, you know, saying, oh, we know we should get Triple G versus Danny Jacobs. Is there really any benefit to him fighting Danny Jacobs since he isn't Triple G already the super champion, the WBA super champion? What would be the benefit of him fighting a lesser version of the WBA belt? Is there any real benefit? Uh, is that for me or Michelle? For you. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, as far as, you know, Triple G, he, you know, he wants to stay active. He needs bodies. So, I mean, he's not getting Canelo for his next fight, which is, you know, the one middleweight fight that everybody wants to see except maybe for Canelo. But, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, as far as, you know, you know, Golovkin fighting three or four times in 2016, you know, someone has to stand in the opposite corner. Um, Toriano Johnson seems to be the, the most logical choice for his next opponent. He was already the established man, Tori. It's, I'm not sure if a fight that HBO is jumping up and down to, to grab, but, you know, it's not a fight that they'll reject either. Um, as far as Danny Jacobs, I mean, it's a fight that PBC is saying they want for their guy. Yeah, I don't see Golovkin turning the fight down, but the fight actually has to be, you know, discussed. I mean, the, to my knowledge, no discussions have taken place. I don't think Golovkin's team is going to, you know, reject any reasonable fight. So if it's a fight mm-hmm. that's offered to him, I'm sure they'll present the opportunity. And if they feel like it's that's going to be the fight, the first fight they're going to do with PBC, then I, I think they'll embrace it. I, personally, I like the matchup, too. I mean, we consider all the other options that are out there for Golovkin, knowing that right. he's not going to fight Alvarez in his next fight. I mean, I, I, I'll take Danny and Jacobs over just about any other middleweight that could be mentioned right now. Yeah, that is true. So we we have our matchup. We, we're starting to see a little bit of the – the first quarter of 2016 and a little bit of the second quarter with uh, we've got Garcia Guerrero, we've got Wilder Silka, we've got Manny versus potentially Tim Bradley, which let's just take a little bit of a look forward to May. Oscar said at the conclusion of the total Canelo fight that Canelo would be reclaiming, quote-unquote, May, se- May and September, traditional Mexican holidays, and he's going to be dance partners. Now, like you said, we know that Golovkin is not getting Canelo in May. Who does Canelo get? And what does he fight at? I, and that's a great question. I mean, already Canelo, I mean, initially he's claimed that he wants to fight Golovkin, you know, that he wants to fight to take place at a certain weight, whatever weight he dictates. It, it, you know, he's going to want to be the A-side in that fight, and he is the more popular fighter of the two. I mean, let's face it. You know, yes, Golovkin, you know, he he does well at the box office in L.A. He does well at the box office in New York. But Canelo draws the higher ratings on HBO. He pulls in more pay-per-view buys. He, he is the A-side for all intents and purposes. Again, I go right. back to saying, you know, Golovkin is never going to leave the fight on the table, at least in my opinion. You know, maybe some people have sat at a negotiating table with you know, and can state otherwise. But Gennady Golovkin wants to clean out the middleweight division. So Canelo Alvarez, I don't know what division he wants to clean out. You know, he's, he's not 154 pounds. He's not 160 pounds. There's no such thing as a 155-pound division unless he fights Miguel Cotto again. I mean, and you saw what it took just to get yeah. the two of them in the ring the first time. I mean, you my know, I, I'm not sure I really want to see a rematch. I mean, the, the first fight, in my opinion, did not live up to expectations. You know, it right. was the best win of Canelo Alvarez's career, but it, it's not necessarily a rematch I need to see. So, you know, as far as Cinco de Mayo 2016, I – I don't have a good answer for who's going to stand in the corner if it's not Golovkin. Now, if if Golovkin fights maybe in February, you know, is three months enough enough time to you know to sell that fight? You know, who knows? Michelle, let's. Uh, who do you want to see in May? Before I ask, I thought of something else I wanted to ask you about. But who do you? What would you want to see in May? Ideally, 
Well, you know, it's not so much, you know, what I want to see. I think we would all love to see Canelo Golovkin next year. You know, whether that happens or not, you know, I don't know if Oscar's ready to do that. Now, Canelo has been known to somewhat call his own shot. Um, you know, when everybody wanted him to fight Austin Trout, he said, I'll fight Trout. When everybody wanted to fight Laura, I'll fight Laura. So um, I don't think, you know, that he's, like, scared of Golovkin or doesn't want to fight him. But I think Oscar's going to have to step in a little bit like a boss and say, look, kid, you know, that's not going to be your next fight. We've got to keep growing you. You're a superstar. There's more money to be made. Let that one simmer. Um, so when it comes to May, you know, unless Golovkin or, or unless Canelo starts threatening somebody, I don't see the Golovkin fight happening. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe Lemieux. I mean, maybe we'll use an option. Um, don't forget that next weekend is Rosado Clotty. And at one mm-hmm. time they were talking about Clotty Canelo. Um, mm-hmm. Weren't they saying that this year, Jake? There was rumors of Clotty Canelo? Yep. And that Canelo allegedly injured Right, that was supposed to be Canelo's first fight back on HBO. Actually, that was, you know that fight. He uh, Canelo announced his return last September. He said he was coming back right. to HBO. He was going to fight Clotty. He ended up pulling out due to do an injury, and then you know that led to negotiations with uh, Cotto. So, but yeah, yeah and, I mean, I, I think that'd be great. You know, Clotty, like you said, he's fighting on HBO Latino. So you know, if he gets a win over Gabriel Rosado, I, I would love to see Joshua Clotty get that fight. Yeah. So yeah. in the past, a lot of people also wanted Rosado Canelo. The whole Mexican Puerto Rican thing. Obviously, Gabe has been successful in like BKB. Um, mm-hmm. He needs to get some wins in the traditional boxing ring. But the winner of Claudio Rosado could definitely, depending on how they look and what type of fashion they went in, they could be up for consideration too. I don't know. There's not like a pool of 155 pound fighters right now to um, <laughs> to really consider. I mean, who else is really out there? Just yeah. yeah. I was just. I mean, you make yeah. a great point with Claudio because he is a guy that can fight either at 154 or 160. And, I mean, mm-hmm. he signed with Golden Boy for a reason. I would have to, you know, imagine that big reason is, hey, I would love to fight Canelo. So, you know, maybe Golden Boy, you know, they feel they have that safety net now. Okay, well, you know, if, you know, Cloudy fucks around and beats Canelo, you know, at least, you know, they got him on the contract. He's not just, you know, a free agent that, you know, is going to beat him and then go, you know, fight for someone else. So, it, it's not a dream fight, but it's 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 a, it's a passable fight for, you know, if Canelo wants to fight in May. You know, now, granted, if he wants to fight in May on pay-per-view, you know, Canelo versus Claudia, I don't know. We, we've seen what Joshua Claudia has done in pay-per-views in the past. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> not much. Indeed. Exactly. Well, let's see. Before we wrap it up for the evening, because um, I think we've pretty much ran through all our current news, uh, once again, <laughs> we have the PBC card happening in San Antonio on Saturday with uh, Omar Figueroa and Antonio DeMarco. Uh, we've got the HBO Latino card happening here in California in Glendale. I'll be going for that card um, with uh, Carl Moran and uh, Sosa Barrera are in an eliminator bout on that card. And, um, you know, a full pack card. I'll be checking that out. Before we close for the evening, Michelle, final thoughts? On Figueroa DeMarco or this weekend? Yes. This weekend, you know, Claudia Rosado, uh, Crawford, whatever final thoughts you have, give them to me. Well, um, I mean, I'll be tuning in this weekend. I think 
you know, Figueroa is going to pull it off. I'm not quite sure that DeMarco should even be fighting anymore. There was a time several months ago where he said he was retiring, and even John Benedotti, um, the matchmaker, was really happy about that and wished him a lot of luck, that it was time for him to move on. And now here he is getting licensed and fighting again. So just hope that all the fighters stay safe. Um, but I don't see Figueroa having a lot of issues there in that fight. It seems like the rest of the card went to shit uh, because we were supposed to have Mansoor and Spilka on that undercard, and that was postponed, quote-unquote. And then we were also um, supposed to have Brazil and Martin, mm-hmm. and now that's fallen through. So we still have Ariola and Kaufman, which Ariola went to Big Bear. He looks to have shed a lot of weight. He looks to be in some decent shape. And um, I know he really wants that wilder fight, so he's going to come out and take the shit out of Kaufman. And, um, yeah, that's my that's my uh, prediction for Saturday. So professional. <laughs> Jay Donovan, what is your final thoughts and wish list for boxing as we close out another week before we head into 2016? Well, I, I will say for all the action that's going on in the United States, the best part of the weekend is, is in my opinion, is taking place in London. I mean, you got Anthony Joshua fighting Dillian White in a ah, great heavyweight fight. That's right. A lot of people seem to think, you know, that's, you know, Joshua's, it's going to be Joshua's coronation. He's going to beat Dillian White and then, you know, march on to the heavyweight championship. Everyone forgets, you know, Dillian White owns a owns a win over him in the amateurs. In my opinion, he's a very live underdog in this fight. I don't think Anthony Joshua was sleeping on him, but I, I certainly don't think anyone watching that fight should, you know, have a predetermined, uh, you know, judgment on on how that fight's going to play out. Uh, there's also a great middleweight fight on that call between Chris Eubank Jr. and Gary O'Sullivan. Uh, you know, that that's a great call. You know, for anyone in the United States that, you know, gets a chance to watch that fight, you know, watch that show, I mean, definitely tune in. That's a nice way to, you know, set the Saturday for the action that's going to be on in the evening. Um, I really like the fight between Sullivan Barrera and Carl Murat. I, I expect Sullivan to win. I want to see him win in spectacular fashion because I, I want to see him be the guy that challenges the best lad heavyweights in 2016, and I hope he doesn't get strung along. I know the game plan is for Sergey Kovalev and Andre Ward to win two, you know, quote-unquote, stay busy fights and then lead to a big fight in the fall. I, personally, I couldn't give a shit whether or not they fight each other. I, I want to see, you know, Kovalev take on all comers in the light heavyweight division. To me, he's the one guy that's not scared of fighting anyone in the world at light heavyweight you know, super middleweight's moving up, or even if he would have to move up to cruiserweight. I, I think Survey Kovalev would genuinely fight anyone they put in front of him. And I hope mm-hmm. that Sullivan Barrera is one of those guys that gets the shot next year. What's Adonis Stevenson doing, Jake? <laughs> He's singing, not in his Kovalev. singing in his world's voice on Instagram every three hours, posting pictures on Instagram of him singing. Oh, my God. Have, Jake, have you been victimized by the Adonis Stevenson onslaught of liking and favoriting your tweets and, and, and posts on Instagram? Have you, have you been getting that, too? Oh, I've noticed that, yo. Adonis Stevenson, he's, he's definitely passing around some, some holiday love, you know, recently. The shame of it is when Adonis Stevenson gets in the ring, it's, he's fun to watch. It's just you know, it's a shame that, you know, certain fighters, they just fall victim, you know, to the to this politics of the sport. And he, he's become more He's supposed to be the light heavyweight champion, but... You know, it didn't take long for Sergey Kovalev to search past him as, you know, the recognized best light heavyweight in the world. And obviously, I mean, that is a fight that needs to happen in 2016. And I'm to the point, I'm sick and tired of hearing both sides saying, hey, we're going to talk about it. You know, you need to make this happen. You know, you know, we want the fight. You don't. It's, just, you know, just either make the fight or shut the fuck up and move on. Pardon my language. We're going to, I'm sorry. We're going to get it five <laughs> years from now. Don't worry. We're five years okay. from now. 
we're all going to be having a scotch and I'm going to say, hey, Jake, remember we did that show and we were talking about Coldwell and Stevenson for the umpteenth time? We're finally getting a fight. That's and right. For the Eagle, and they're fighting for the Inglewood belt because I'm going to sanction the fight. Very cool. <laughs> all right. Okay, well, thanks for listening. Thank you again, Michelle Rosado, Raging Bay. Thank you, Jake Donovan, Boxing Team Managing Editor. Make sure you follow them both. Make sure you visit badculture.net. Click the donate button. Keep the lights on. The building fund needs contributions. And we'll be back next week, or we may be back this week and we're back to the final belt. You never know. And good night. Good night. Good night.